Hey guys, welcome to the Bitcoin Fortress podcast, helping you increase your financial freedom. This is episode 102, recorded here on February 11th, 2024. This podcast is for entertainment only, not investing advice. Please do your own homework. Well, we got a lot of Bitcoin top news items to go through this week, but we'll start with the market update and outlook. A surge in mega caps tech stocks helped lift the S&P 500 and NASDAQ Friday with the S&P holding above the 5,000 level and extending its record high after December's revised inflation reading came in lower than first reported. NVIDIA jumped 3.6% and hit an intraday record high while tech-focused market heavyweights such as Microsoft, Amazon, and Alphabet also scored gains. On Friday, market participants earlier received further encouraging data on inflation after the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics released its annual revisions to the Consumer Price Index. The report showed that core consumer prices rose at a 3.3% annualized rate in the fourth quarter of 2023, unchanged from the previous reading. The CPI revisions likely give the Federal Reserve further breathing room while allaying any concerns traders might have had about progress on inflation, if you believe those numbers. The revisions were also in sharp contrast to last year's in which CPI was revised significantly higher, easing inflation data, a resilient economy, and a solid earnings season so far have sparked this year's market rally, which has seen the three major averages tallying their fifth straight weekly gains. In the week just concluded, the S&P added 1.4%, and the NASDAQ composite jumped 2.3%, while the Dow Jones finished flat. Uh, so the markets are doing great. Looking ahead, investors will turn their attention back to interest rates next week with the Consumer Price Index and Producer Price Index reports due out. Other economic releases of note include the Retail Sales Report, the Philadelphia Fed Index Update, the Industrial Production Report, and the latest University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Survey. Apart from economic data, there will also be key earnings reports from Coca-Cola, Shopify, Cisco, Coinbase, Global, and Applied Materials that will be closely watched. Hedge fund 13F filings are also expected to pour in ahead of the deadline for reporting Q4 positions. Investors may be watching to see if hedge funds have made any significant moves with the Magnificent Seven uh, group of Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, Meta, Microsoft, NVIDIA, and Tesla. On the M&A front, shareholders with Hawaiian Holdings will vote on the pending deal with Alaska Air Group. Okay, getting into the top Bitcoin news. Uh, we'll start out with the uh, uh, Week in Review from Bitcoin.com. And uh, as always, I will skip over shitcoin discussions and try to focus on stuff that we might be interested in. Uh, Scott Melker, also known as Wolf of All Streets, has explained why the upcoming Bitcoin halving could push the price of the cryptocurrency to $240,000, noting that in the last halving cycle, Bitcoin's price went from the $20,000 high to the $69,000 high 
he stressed that it's an appreciation of 200 250.86%. Uh, we don't care about Monero. El Salvador has reaffirmed its commitment to embracing Bitcoin despite the International Monetary Fund's repeated calls for the country to drop the cryptocurrency as legal tender. The Salvadoran Vice President emphasized that not only will El Salvador's Bitcoin law be maintained, but at this moment the cryptocurrency also enjoys the greatest credibility in the entire world. The Brazilian Tax Authority has reported identifying cryptocurrency irregularities in more than 25,000 tax statements. After a countrywide investigation, the institution detected that 25,126 individuals who, who possessed at least 0 0.05 Bitcoin failed to include these holdings in its income tax statements, opening the doors for receiving fines or being charged for crimes against the tax system. Hmm, that's no good. Time to move, I guess. All right, moving along. Uh, this is uh, the Hodler's Digest for the week February 4th through 10th uh, from Cointelegraph. And so we will go through the top stories of the week. And as always, we will not talk about shit coins. Total daily trading volume for spot Bitcoin exchange traded funds topped a, a billion dollars on February 7th with BlackRock leading the pack Bloomberg intelligence analyst James Seifert described it as a big volume day for BlackRock's iShares Bitcoin Trust, which saw a daily trading volume of $341.2 million, eclipsing the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust $296.5 million in volume, according to Seifert. Meanwhile, Fidelity's FBTC fund came in third with $200 million in volume, and the remaining seven funds had $188 million in daily volume, bringing the total for the day to more than a billion dollars. So a lot a lot of volume uh, as a result of the Bitcoin ETFs. Uh, skipping over that, um, don't care about uh, Ethereum ETFs. Uh, this is interesting. Crypto wallets linked to the defunct FTX exchange and its sister company, Alameda Research, have sent over $38.8 million in digital assets to numerous crypto exchanges since January 2024. According to data tracked by blockchain analytics firm PeckShield, gotta like that name, the fund movements happened amid the fallen exchange's restructuring efforts and unveiling its plans to fully re fully repay its customers, which I can't believe, but I guess we'll see when they get their money back. On January 31st, the defunct exchange said in a U.S. court hearing that its restructuring plans would not include a relaunch of the exchange, but would be focused on repaying its customers in full. However, FTX attorney Andy Dietrich said that repaying customers was an objective, but not guaranteed. Hmm. Uh, this was also interesting. A new service claiming to use artificial intelligence, neural networks, and generators to create fake driver licenses and passports has re reportedly succeeded in passing Know Your Customer checks on multiple crypto exchanges. The fake documents are available for only $15. The site generates realistic fake driver's licenses and passports from 26 countries, including the United States, Canada, Britain, Australia, and multiple European Union countries, and takes payment 
in multiple cryptocurrencies through Coinbase's commercial payment service. 404 Media reports on February 5th that it successfully bypassed the KYC verification of crypto exchange OKX using a photo of a British passport the outlet generated with the site where the ID appeared to be laid on a bed sheet as if the picture of it was taken. <laughs> Gotta love it. Of course, the flip side of that is then they're just going to be even more uh, invasive and ridiculous with uh, KYC, and, and probably they'll point to that as the reason why we have to have digital ideas, which will not be good. Uh... Let's see. Prediction of the week. This week saw Bitcoin's strongest performance since October, leading to some analysis that Bitcoin shorters would be playing a risky game. Strong bounce from the mid-range, attacking 48,000 again, as expected, popular pseudonymous trader Jell wrote in part of his latest analysis on X, formerly Twitter. Last hurdle for Bitcoin to overcome, not much standing in the way of new all-time highs once it breaks. More sober in the immediate outlook was Keith Allen, CEO and co-founder of Trading Resource Material Indicators, who observed significant sell-side liquidity immediately below the two-year range highs and 50000 Something to consider before you FOMO into Bitcoin at this level. There was $175 million in Bitcoin ask liquidity, aka resistance, stacked between here and fifty. And only 50 million in bid support down to 43, part of Allen's own ex post red. Uh, let's see, FUD, FUD of the week. Bitcoin mining firm Hut8 announced a leadership transition, replacing its CEO weeks after pump and dump allegations against the company were published by the controversial short selling firm J Capital Research. On February 7th, the mining company published a press release saying its former CEO, Jamie Leverton, will depart from his position. Asher Gnut, the president and a member of the company's board of directors, is replacing the former executive. Bill Tai, chairman of the board of HUD-8, said in the announcement that the company is at a pivotal inflection point as they just completed the merger with U.S. Bitcoin Corp., the executive added that Gnut will bring a disciplined, proven approach to unlock the potential of the merger. Crypto company backed, uh, backed by the international, or sorry, intercontinental exchange has just warned it may not have enough cash to stay in business over the next 12 months. The company filed an amendment to its quarterly report with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission on February 7th, warning that it may not be able to continue as a going concern. The company was founded in 2018 amid a lot of hype by Intercontinental Exchange, which owns the New York Stock Exchange. BACT says it's now looking to potentially raise additional capital by issuing its registered securities in the public markets to fund our long-term vision. So BACT is looking for more backers. Ha ha. Um, and then uh, criminals made off with a record $1 billion in cryptocurrency ransomware payments in 2023 as high-profile institutions and infrastructure were targeted by sophisticated attacks. According to the latest excerpt from Chainalysis 2024 Crypto Crime Report, Focusing on ransomware, significant supply chain attacks occurred using ubiquitous file transfer software MoveIt, 
which affected household names like the BBC and British Airways. A contributing factor to the resurgence of ransomware in 2023 was an escalation in the frequency, scope, and volume of attacks. Various actors carried out attacks from individuals and small criminal groups to large syndicates. And that wraps it up. Moving on, uh, this is from Bitcoin.com. This was posted yesterday, and uh, its article is entitled Russian President Putin Discusses De-Dollarization, Calls U.S. Dollar Weaponization a Grave Mistake. Russian President Vladimir Putin discussed various topics in an interview with Tucker Carlson on Thursday, including the decline of the U.S. dollar's dominance as the global reserve currency. You know, to use the dollar as a tool of foreign policy struggle is one of the biggest strategic mistakes made by the U.S. political leadership, the Russian leader said, according to the translation provided by the Kremlin. The dollar is the cornerstone of the United States' power. I think everyone understands very well that no matter how many dollars are printed, they are quickly dispersed all over the world. Emphasize, emphasizing that the Federal Reserve won't stop printing dollars and underscoring the $34 trillion U.S. national debt, Putin opined, it is the main weapon used by the United States to preserve its power across the world. As soon as the political leadership decided to use the U.S. dollar as a tool of political struggle, a blow was dealt to this American power. I would not like to use any strong language, but it is a stupid thing to do and a grave mistake. Look at what is going on in the world. Even the United States allies are now downsizing their dollar reserves. Seeing this, everyone starts looking for ways to protect themselves. But the fact that the United States applies restrictive measures to certain countries, such as placing restrictions on transactions, freezing assets, etc., causes grave concern and sends a signal to the whole world, Putin described. The Russian president detailed that until 2022, about 80% of Russia's foreign trade transactions were made in U.S. dollars and euros. U.S. dollars accounted for approximately 50% of our transactions with third countries, while currently it is down to 13%, he shared. It was not us who banned the use of the U.S. dollar. We had no such intention. It was the decision of the United States to restrict our transactions in U.S. dollars. I think it is complete foolishness from the point of view of the interests of the United States itself and its taxpayers as it damages the U.S. economy and undermines the power of the United States across the world. Putin further noted that Russia's transactions in the Chinese yuan accounted for about 3% previously. Today, 34% of our transactions are made in Russian rubles and about as much, a little over 34% in Chinese yuan, he said. Putin also highlighted the fast expansion of the BRICS influence, stating, as for the BRICS, where Russia took over the presidency this year, the BRICS countries are by and large developing very rapidly. The economic bloc recently held a meeting where member countries pushed for the use of local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar, besides Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, the BRICS bloc now includes Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, Iran, Egypt, and Ethiopia. Commenting on the U.S. weaponizing its currency, Putin said, Why did the United States do this? My only guess is self-conceit. They probably thought it would lead to a full collapse, but nothing collapsed. Moreover, other countries, including oil producers, are thinking of and already accepting payments for oil in yuan. Do you even realize what is going on or not? Does anyone in the United States realize this? What are you doing? The Russian leader concluded. 
you are cutting yourself off. All experts say this. Ask any intelligent and thinking person in the United States what the dollar means for the U.S. You are killing it with your own hands. Wow. Can't say that he's uh, wrong about that. Uh, next article also posted yesterday uh, from uh, Bitcoin.com. Robert Kiyosaki predicts end of the American empire similar to Roman collapse. Uh, the famous author wrote on social media platform X Friday, end of the American empire. This week, Americans will bet $68 billion on a game, the Super Bowl. At the same time, America's debt is the highest in world history, a debt America can never pay back. Currently, the U.S. national debt stands at over $34 trillion. Kiyosaki cautioned, the Roman Empire ended in the same way with massive gladiators entertaining chubby Romans while their bankers debased their currency to pay soldiers and bills. History repeats because stupidity repeats. Don't be stupid. Bet instead on gold, silver, Bitcoin. Kiyosaki has repeatedly warned about the downfall of the U.S. economy and the end of the U.S. dollar this week. He cautioned that investors will lose money because they do not know what to do with their money as banks fail and the world economy crashes. He added, Unfortunately, the world of fake money is crashing and gold, silver, and Bitcoin are parachutes for your personal soft landing. Last week, he predicted that stock and bond markets are about to crash. He has also warned that our leaders will drive the U.S. economy into a depression and another war. The renowned author has long been recommending Bitcoin alongside gold and silver. He recently said Bitcoin protects against theft by the Federal Reserve, the Biden administration, and Wall Street bankers. He believes the cryptocurrency will soon hit $150,000, advising investors to pay attention to the upcoming Bitcoin halving. Uh, and he is correct, I believe. Uh, next article is from Bitcoin.com. Again, this was posted two days ago. Uh, economist Dr. Nomi Prince sees potential for massive banking crisis foresees QE as remedy. She's often a guest on uh, Robert Kiyosaki's radio show. So uh, this will be interesting to see what she says. In her recent interview with Michelle McCory, the lead anchor and editor-in-chief at Kitco News, Dr. Nomi Prince, the esteemed American economist and financial writer, delved into the state of the U.S. economy. Prince suggested that the banking sector in the U.S. might continue to experience instability. And it's quite plausible that the central bank could prolong the emergency bank term fin funding program, or BTFP, introduced in March following the downfall of three major banks in the nation. During Fed Chair Jerome Powell's recent press briefing following the Federal Open Market, Committee, Open Market Committee's session, Prins observed that certain inquiries hinted to her that the Fed might explore other ways of the Fed loosening monetary policy before the second half of the year. The economist noted Powell is walking that really interesting tightrope with QE have, having evolved into QE light in recent periods. Powell did say he's comfortable with the look, meaning that he's comfortable with the pace of quantitative tightening, she told McCory. Now it's important to note that if you look at the H41 reports that come out weekly from the Fed, that the quantitative tightening that is in play has actually been reduced. We didn't see that much this month compared to what the target bond roll-off has been, so QT is becoming much more QT light anyway. 
Prince highlighted an interesting inquiry directed at Powell questioning if there exists a clear differentiation between the policy instrument of rate reductions and the strategy of quantitative easing, or the act of injecting funds into the economy and bolstering liquidity for banks. Powell said those two tools could be separated, and he also said uh, that that was going to be a specific topic of conversation for the March FOMC meeting, Prince remarked. To me, that means we could see various forms of QE, for example, the Fed extending its bank term lending program, which started last March when we had those three big bank failures, past its March 11th date, which is when it expires to another year, a further six months or just further. The economist pointed out that the Fed's BTFP has attracted record takers and mentioned how the failure of Citizens Bank in November went largely under the radar. Concurrently, as Prince conversed with McCory, shares of New York Community Bank Corp have slid a great deal in value, and the credit agency Moody's demoted NYCB bonds to junk classification. Prince elaborated that the trigger for implementing QE would probably be the collapse of additional banks. I do see the potential for a massive crisis in the banking sector. We are not out of the woods there. If that happens, it will be remedied by QE, and that will help this particular sector by creating liquidity, Prince detailed. Numerous market analysts concur that the U.S. Central Bank is poised to intervene again this year to prevent banks from collapsing. Arthur Hayes, the ex-CEO of the cryptocurrency exchange BitMEX, anticipates substantial quantitative easing from the Fed in response to distress within the U.S. regional banking sector and NYCB situation. Hayes posits that Bitcoin will gain from these bailouts and predicts its value will soar to $1 million as a result of the anticipated surge in money supply. And of course, that happens. I'm not sure what that means as far as what a dollar is worth, but a million dollars ain't what it used to be, that's for sure. Next up is Crypto Potato. Uh, again, one of my favorite sites. I just like the name. Uh, this was updated yesterday, February 10th. Uh, kind of an interesting one, not really Bitcoin related, but uh, I suppose it's a freedom and liberty kind of a uh, piece. Uh, U.S. bans AI-generated voices used in scam robocalls after Biden impersonation frauds. To crack down on fraudulent activities and safeguard consumer interests, the Federal Communications Commission has officially prohibited using artificial intelligence-generated voices in unwarranted robocalls across the United States. Uh, this move follows an incident where New Hampshire residents received fabricated voice messages mimicking U.S. President Joe Biden advising against participation in the state's primary election. <laughs> The ban implemented under the Telephone Consumer Protection Act, or the TCPA, represents a step towards curbing the proliferation of robocall scams. FCC Chairwoman Jessica Rosenworcel stated, Bad actors are using AI-generated voices in unsolicited robocalls to extort vulnerable family members, imitate celebrities, and misinform voters. We're putting the fraudsters behind these robocalls on notice. Robocall scams already outlawed under the TCPA rely on sophisticated AI technology to mimic voices and deceive unsuspecting recipients. The latest ruling extends the prohibition to cover voice cloning technology, effectively stopping an essential tool used by scammers in fraudulent schemes. I wonder if they're going to stop, though. Hmm. 
I'm already breaking the law by robocalling, so uh, it'll be interesting, but I doubt it. The TCPA aims to protect consumers from intrusive communications and junk calls by imposing restrictions on telemarketing practices, including artificial or pre-recorded voice messages. In a statement, the FCC emphasized the potential for such technology to spread misinformation by impersonating authoritative figures. While law enforcement agencies have traditionally targeted the outcomes of fraudulent robocalls, the new ruling empowers them to prosecute offenders solely for using AI to fabricate voices in such communications. In a related development, authorities have traced a recent high-profile robocall incident imitating President Joe Biden's voice back to a Texas-based firm named Life Corporation and an individual identified as Walter Monk. Attorney General Mays has since sent a warning letter to the company using AI to impersonate the president and lie to voters is beyond unacceptable, said Mays. She also emphasized that deceptive practices like this have no place in their democracy and would only further diminish public trust in the electoral process. Attorney General John Formella has also confirmed that a cease and desist letter has been issued to the company and a criminal investigation is underway. We are committed to keeping our elections free and fair, asserted Attorney General Formella during a press conference in Concord, New Hampshire. He condemned the robocalls in an attempt to exploit AI technology to undermine the democratic process, vowing to pursue strict legal measures against perpetrators. The robocall circulated on January 21st to thousands of Democratic voters, urged recipients to abstain from voting in the primary election to preserve their votes in the subsequent November election. Well, um, I think, uh, you know, this is, well, first of all, nice try, but I think the, the bad guys are going to keep doing it. But this, I think, will will uh, be another reason why they want to regulate AI, control it, which, again, just means that the, uh, the big tech companies that are already in bed with the government are going to continue to operate the same way, and they're going to be, quote, protecting people uh, by... Uh, you know, not, not letting you have access to AI or whatever. And then I suppose digital IDs, you know, uh, would be the, also uh, helpful uh, in air quotes uh, to uh, ensure that uh, bad guys don't get access to this technology and, and use it. But uh, like we know with uh, most criminal activity, um, laws don't, don't really seem to bother criminals. Um, laws... Uh, Law-abiding citizens follow laws, and I'm thinking about, you know, gun licensing, gun control, things of that nature. Uh, you know, the law-abiding citizens follow the laws, and criminals just uh, get the weapons any way they can. So, um, once again, the average law-abiding citizen will probably lose in the long run as a result of this kind of stuff, and criminals will continue to use it unabated. Uh, another article from Crypto Potato, uh, and this this one I thought was quite interesting because again, people, uh, especially politicians like Elizabeth Warren and others, uh, make a big deal about how crypto Bitcoin is used by criminals, uh, and it's really such a small percentage of uh, of what they really like to use. Uh, or what they really use is the dollar. So, you know, it's a 90 something, 99%, probably 95% is uh, 
dollars. So this article is entitled, uh, this was posted on February 10th, Crypto is Bad, Cash Still the Primary Tool for Money Laundering, U.S. Treasury Reports. The U.S. Treasury Department has reported that despite the growing trend of illicit actors turning to cryptocurrencies for money laundering and financing, cold, hard cash remains their preferred tool. In its 2024 National Risk Assessments on Money Laundering, Terrorist Financing, and Proliferation Financing, the Treasury shed light on the various threats, vulnerabilities, and risks associated with illicit finance within the United States. Treasury officials have observed that despite fiat currencies remaining the predominant medium for money laundering and terrorist financing, the threat posed by digital assets is on the rise. According to the 2024 National Money Laundering Risk Assessment Fraud, particularly through investment schemes and healthcare fraud, remains the leading cause of money laundering activities. Uh, the report highlights an increase in fraud involving technological advancements such as telemedicine and scams related to virtual asset investments. Meanwhile, terrorist groups, including ISIS and Hamas, are increasingly turning to virtual assets for funding. This growing trend has raised concerns among lawmakers in recent months. A report by the Wall Street Journal in October pointed out that Hamas, among other militant groups, utilized crypto as a financing tool ahead of attacks on Israel. The report also found that most frequent financial interactions between individuals in the United States and foreign terrorist organizations involve direct solicitation of funds or attempts to transfer funds to these groups, similar to the trend in 2022. These transactions are conducted using cash, registered money services, businesses, and in some cases, virtual assets. The Treasury further emphasized the challenges posed by decentralized finance, specifically highlighting that such services consider, considered financial institutions under the Bank Secrecy Act uh, are obligated to comply with anti-money laundering and counter-financing of terrorism regulations. Despite these requirements, the Treasury has observed a significant compliance shortfall among many DeFi services covered by the BSA, which is exploited by illicit actors. The report highlights the interest of criminals in exploiting emerging financial services, including DeFi platforms and online gaming, raising concerns about the anonymity provided by online gaming and the sector's considerable size and rapid growth, which give rise to unique money laundering risks. The Treasury also raised concerns about the increased use of stablecoins, a shift from the 2022 National Terrorist Financing Risk Assessment, where terrorist groups primarily solicited donations in Bitcoin. Deputy Secretary of the Treasury Wally Adiamo had pre has previously expressed concerns about dollar-based stablecoins, particularly those not in the United States, highlighting the regulatory scrutiny surrounding these digital assets. So the terrorists will find a way, and uh, their preference is cold, hard cash. Next is an article from Zcrypto. This was posted on February 8th. Articles entitled MicroStrategy to Shift Focus on Bitcoin Development, says Michael Saylor. US-based business intelligence firm MicroStrategy is pivoting its focus toward becoming a prominent player in Bitcoin development. This bold plan was revealed by founder Michael Saylor during the company's latest Q4 earnings call on Wednesday signaling a strategic pivot that could reshape the company's trajectory towards becoming a powerhouse in Bitcoin development. We view ourselves as a Bitcoin development company. That means we're going to do everything we can to grow the Bitcoin network, said Naylor, said Saylor. 
Thaler further underscored the distinct advantage held by MicroStrategy as an operating entity, emphasizing its capacity to pursue ventures beyond the scope of traditional trust companies, even those granted approval for spot Bitcoin ETFs. We have active control of our capital structure and we can do things operating companies can do that trust companies like spot Bitcoin ETF they can't do. And that's a wide range of things. And one of those things is we can develop software, Saylor explained. According to the businessman, MicroStrategy's foray into Bitcoin development will involve creating applications and software to extract value from the Bitcoin network. Saylor expressed enthusiasm for exploring opportunities at the base layer and layer two protocols like the Lightning Network. He also emphasized the company's commitment to releasing developed software to benefit the Bitcoin network or generate additional revenue fueling further Bitcoin acquisitions. We're going to do everything we can to acquire more Bitcoin and we're going to do everything we can to benefit our shareholders and do this in a creative fashion, he stated. The strategic shift comes from MicroStrategy's relentless pursuit of Bitcoin since adopting a Bitcoin treasury in August 2020. Over the years, the firm's aggressive buying strategy has propelled it to the forefront as the world's largest corporate holder of Bitcoin, surpassing competitors by a significant margin. Notably, last year alone, the business intelligence firm acquired approximately 14,620 Bitcoins, solidifying its position as a major player in the cryptocurrency space. The company's momentum has continued into 2024, with the firm once again acquiring 850 Bitcoins in January, valued at $37.5 million. This latest purchase further bolstered MicroStrategy's Bitcoin treasury, which now stands at a staggering 190,000 Bitcoin, valued at $8.56 billion. That said, MicroStrategy's strategic shift towards Bitcoin development underscores its belief in the long-term potential of the cryptocurrency and its commitment to contributing to the growth and development of the Bitcoin network. And despite facing competition from leading ETF issuers and underwhelming quarterly performances, MicroStrategy has remained undeterred in its pursuit of Bitcoin. Next uh, article is also from Zcrypto. This was posted on February 5th. El Salvador to advance bullish Bitcoin policy as Najib Bukele clinches landslide re-election victory. El Salvador isn't slowing down its Bitcoin agenda, not after Najib Bukele's re-election anyway. The 42-year-old Bitcoin-loving Salvadorian leader has secured his second five-year term following the country's general elections on Sunday last week, Sunday, I guess, with soaring approval ratings and leading in pre-election polling by a big margin amid a drastic turnaround in the Latin American country's once sky-high crime rates. Bukele, who assumed office in 2019, was widely expected to secure re-election. An estimated 87% of voters approve of his re-election bid, as per data from CID Gallup. The strongman president claimed re-election victory after the polls closed on Sunday, although electoral authorities had not made the official results at the time of his declaration. According to our numbers, we have won the presidential election with more than 85% of the votes and a minimum of 58 of the 60 deputies in the assembly, Bukele said on X, describing the results as a record in the entire democratic history of the world. Bukele winning a second term in office means Bitcoin, the world's largest and oldest cryptocurrency, will remain legal tender in El Salvador. As you may recall, El Salvador was the first country in the world to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender alongside the U.S. dollar back in September 2021 under President Bukele. 
speaking in a recent interview, El Salvador's Vice President Felix Uloa said the greenlighting of nearly a dozen spot Bitcoin exchange traded funds in the United States in early January was an indication that the country's Bitcoin strategy was a good move. Bukele has made headlines for his controversial big gambit on the benchmark cryptocurrency beside purchasing Bitcoin as an investment. The El Salvador leader also previously unveiled plans for a Bitcoin city, a tax-free city powered by geothermal energy and financed by Bitcoin bonds. In December 2023, the Salvadorian government announced a freedom visa program offering foreigners a residency permit and full citizenship if they invest at least a million dollars worth of Bitcoin or Tether into the Central American nation. Besides his Bitcoin-friendly policies, Bukele has also cracked down on criminal gangs in the nation, resulting in a dramatic decline in murder rates and turning El Salvador into one of Latin, Americans, Latin America's safest countries. So quite interesting what's happening down there. Um, of course, he does get criticized by Human Rights Foundation uh, a lot um, as being a, a bit of an authoritarian. Um, but you can't uh, can't deny the success that he's having, certainly. And uh, it's good to see that Bitcoin will continue to be prominently featured in El Salvador. Uh, and then finally, uh, a little bit more hopium. This is from Bitcoin.com, uh, posted, I think, three days ago. Talked about this a little bit earlier in the podcast, but uh, former BitMEX chief foresees Bitcoin rising to $1 million amid banking bailout and money printing surge. The ex-CEO of crypto exchange BitMEX, Arthur Hayes, expressed his anticipation that the value of Bitcoin will surge to $1 million in a couple of posts on social media platform X this week. On Monday, Hayes shared a price chart for the troubled New York Community Bank Corp uh, and wrote, resume the dump, citing Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell's recent statement indicating the U.S. economy and banks are strong to very strong. Hayes noted that the New York Community Bank Corp says otherwise. (laughs) He added, uh, who is right, the market or the central banker? Time and compounding interest are two things even neo-Keynesians can't wish away. The bailout is coming, Bitcoin a million. At the end of January, Hayes shared on X that he expects Powell and Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen to start printing money very soon, citing a surprise loss at New York Community Bank Corp. Fears gripped the U.S. banking sector last week as NYCB reported a jaw-dropping $252 million quarterly loss. Uh reversing a $172 million profit year over year. The bank's loan losses quintupled to $552 million, fueled by commercial real estate concerns. NYCB's stock tumbled 40% in a single day at January's close, following the earnings release, dragging the U.S. Regional Bank Index down with it. In a follow-up post on Tuesday, Hayes shared a Bloomberg article about Moody's cutting NYCB's credit rate credit grade to junk status, Yellen said in a Senate hearing Thursday that she hopes that commercial real estate weaknesses will not become, quote, a systemic risk to the banking system. However, she noted that there may be smaller banks that are stressed by these developments. Fed Chair Jerome Powell also said this week that some banks will, quote, have to be closed or merged out of existence. Commenting on NYCB, the former BitNex chief opined on X, oh baby, from junk to bankrupt, that's the future, and then more money printer go burr, BTC 1 million. 
we'll see. I, you know, price predictions are so hard with Bitcoin, and uh, all I know is uh, it's probably going up. I couldn't tell you what the price is going to be a, a month from now, a week from now, a year from now, ten years from now. Um, other than I know it's going to be higher. And that it's always better to stay humble and stack sats. Last, I wanted to highlight this week's featured Substack post. Uh, it's entitled, A Simple Offshore Plan. Don't feed the rent seekers um, on my Bitcoin Fortress newsletter. So I'll include a link there. And if you like it, please subscribe. It's free. And with that... I will thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please like and leave a comment. Also, don't forget to subscribe to your on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. Um, try listening on Fountain. You can earn sats uh, just for listening to your favorite podcast. That's where I listen to all mine. Uh, and also, if you like the podcast, share it with a friend. You can also follow my Substack. It's at bitcoinfortress.substack.com. And you can follow me on Noster only. And my NPUB is included in the show notes. And with that, I will talk to y'all next week. Bye-bye.